Hey, Greyhounds fans, thank you for listening to the Hounds Huddle podcast on MoravianSports.com, the Greyhound Sports Network, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. I am LJ Smith, Assistant Director of Athletic Communications here at Moravian University, and on this episode, I sat down with the head women's basketball coach and director of athletics, Mary Beth Spurt. We will talk about how she fell in love with sports as a kid, to being a multi-sport student athlete in college, all the way to finishing her 35th year as the head coach of the women's basketball program, as well as becoming the athletic director in 2017. So let's get this episode underway and meet our guest, Mary Beth Spurk. Thank you again for tuning in to the Hounds Huddle podcast, streaming on moraviansports.com, the Greyhound Sports Network, or wherever you listen to your podcast. I am joined by a very special guest, the women's basketball coach, also the director of athletics and recreation here at Moravian University, Mary Beth Spurk. How are you doing today, Mary Beth? Pretty good. Thanks for having me and uh, looking forward to chatting with you today, LJ. Thank you for being here. I really appreciate it. As things kind of wind down into the summer, we have some time to reflect on the past season, but also this gives me an opportunity to kind of learn more about you and how you came to Moravian and <laughs> how, how everything came through uh, for you, for your very uh, gr- great career here so far, finishing 35 seasons, I believe. So I don't know. This is going to be tricky. I have to, you're going to test my uh, mental fortitude and <laughs> memory here. So we'll, we'll uh, do the best we can. So we'll start back. Uh, what sports did you play growing up? What really kind of got you involved in athletics? Well, you know, I grew up uh, in a pretty big family. I had five brothers and two sisters. So, uh, you know, sport was a part of our, our daily life. We were out out in the back playing everything and anything. And because of five brothers, I, I was the sixth man. So I made even sides. My two sisters were not as involved. So, you know, we were playing football to baseball to, you know, anything and, and everything growing up. But, you know, that was a different time. It Women weren't playing sports. My brothers were, you know, playing baseball, doing football, wrestling, but there wasn't very much for, for me. And, um, you know, my sisters were older than me, and, and they never – they never had a real interest in it, but I, I always questioned, you know, why, why couldn't I play? Really, the only sport I played in grade school that we had in my grade school was volleyball. Okay. And uh, so I played volleyball. Uh, but one of the things that, that happened is my dad, uh, he, he had me, like, I, he took me to a track meet, believe it or not. I, I threw... Um, a softball. It was a softball toss, and and I ran the hundred, you know, the hundred yard dash and uh, four forty, or you know, and and we're talking a track that had cinders, you know. Wow, so yeah. uh, I guess I'm, I'm showing my age, but so it was it was different, you know, growing up uh, when when I grew up uh, in the seventies and not having. I'm always jealous of my nieces and my great nieces and and you know all the young women. Uh, that they have so much available to them and, and so many camps and, uh, you know, you could, you could play anything uh, right now. And, and uh, I wish some days I wish, uh, you know, I had that advantage. But it all, it all happens for the reason. And then high school, um, I really just played softball. Um, I, didn't, I didn't play basketball because, again, I, I wasn't exposed to it when I was younger. Um, I loved basketball, but I, I didn't play it. I, I just started... I played in um, college, and I played basketball, softball, and uh, I started playing volleyball. I played three sports as a freshman and then uh, ended up just playing basketball and softball uh, for the, my last three years in college. So there was no such like organize, organized sports in your youth. So you playing with your brothers and other kids around the neighborhood, was there anything that kind of pushed you to softball? Once you got to high school, was there anything kind of? I think just playing a lot of baseball with okay. my brothers, you know, and I loved it, and I could throw. I, I had a great arm, and and I, you know, I loved hitting, and and uh, 
you know, I saw a lot of games with my brothers. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, now, we played a lot of basketball, too, when we were growing up. But we had a um, – in fact, the the uh, the hoop is still at my, my – uh, my dad still lives in the house we grew up in, and uh, it's it was on a, it's on grass. We didn't have <laughs> have macadam, so um, try to dribble a basketball on grass, and try to try to play with uh, football and wrestlers. That's all my mm-hmm. brothers, you know, ended up being football players and wrestlers. Uh, they weren't very good basketball players, although. I, I, I'm sure if they were in this room, they they beg to differ, but <laughs> it uh, became rough. And and I will say uh, we 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 broke a few windows in our days, uh, you know, running, fighting, and 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 that kind of thing. But so I don't I don't know. I think just naturally, just from playing, um, you know, in the backyard, I I enjoyed baseball, so softball seemed logical to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and and basketball, I, I just never really thought I was was good enough because I didn't have any proper training. You know, I didn't. Ha- nobody sh- taught me how to shoot. Nobody taught me how to dribble, using both hands and everything that you can do now as as uh, young people. You know, I'm I'm going to watch my uh, four and five year old great nieces. They're playing t ball. I mean, they're learning how to run the bases and you know hit the right way. I, I just, I mean, uh, <laughs> I, I never had that opportunity. So it's kind of cool to see the the transition. But um, yeah, I, I think my love of, of sports just began from being in the backyard. Um, and, and we had a pretty big back, backyard. So we attracted pretty much everybody from the neighborhood as well. So it was, uh, you know, a lot of competition, um, unstructured competition, but it was still competition. So you go to Dickinson College, correct? Was there any recruiting process? That was it just you went for what you wanted to go for? Uh, yeah, no, no, there was, I was no recruiting process. I went uh, because I w- wanted to be a lawyer, and they had at that time Dickinson uh, Law School, so it was a natural fit for me. I figured, you know, I'd, I'd graduate and then I go right to law school right at Dickinson, and uh, again. Uh, that that was my career path, and the bonus was uh, I ended up talking to the basketball coach and and uh, decided to play basketball and and uh, softball. Actually, we were I I was a part of the club sport for three years, and my senior year we became varsity. So I was, I guess, if you want to say trailblazer, I was a I'll use that term trailblazer. I kind of like that term, so <laughs> uh, I'll use it. Uh, you know we. I was part of, uh, you know, a couple of the women that that figured out how to become uh, varsity, and and that was really a really neat experience as well. Um, you know, and now when I, I still follow obviously Dickinson and their athletics and their softball team is is unbelievable. So that's kind of cool that we I was a part of that program, as well. So you're you're playing at the collegiate level, basketball, softball, and you said you started as a three sport athlete. Uh, what was what was the drive for you? Because it, it's a lot to take on three sports, especially transitioning into a student athlete role as right. well. Yeah, um, I don't know. I, I guess just growing up, I was always active, so I figured out that's what I'm going to do in college. And I, I think, you know, looking back on it in high school, I, I think I sell, sold myself short in terms of competing. Again, you have to understand it's it's the time it was the time and my family you know my two sisters didn't play sports so for me it wasn't it it it, it just it wasn't something that that I should do um, all my brothers played sports and it was natural and so it wasn't a natural thing but I guess my I don't know that I was that mature in college but when once I got there I figured well you know what I got to take advantage of this, and and I played, and then I realized um, it was a lot of time, and that's why, and and quite frankly, I don't know how good I was in volleyball, so um, <laughs> I, uh, I I stopped playing volleyball, um, but I I you know I thought I was pretty good in softball, and and my in basketball I I made the JV team my freshman year, and I vowed that I was going to be varsity. Uh, player my sophomore year, and uh, I ended up being varsity. I started as a sophomore, um, and that was pretty cool. I, I figured out, you know, again, I did it pretty much on my own, 
um, in in the backyard of my parents' house, uh, dribbling on the uh, the grass. So uh, you know, I feel pretty pretty proud about that. I ended up you know as a senior being captain and um, you know the basketball team, and and so um, yeah, it's pretty. When I look back out on it, it was a, a pretty cool uh, cool time for me. So you graduate from Dickinson. What was the plan? Because you said law school was the next step. But did you follow through with that? What, what, <laughs> what, what happened after that? Well, uh, I took my LSATs uh, my senior year. And yes, the plan was I applied to Dickinson Law and, and uh, was going to go. But, you know, again, it's it's a time my, I like I said, I came from a big family. So it was a, it, it was a lot of money at that time, and I was already student loans. Um, uh, if I told you what what it cost me to go to Dickinson then to what it is now, you you'd be you'd be <laughs> appalled. But um, it's not a lot of money now, but it was then. So mm -hmm. I I just didn't have enough money and uh, decided because I had three younger brothers that were going to go to college, and and you know all eight of uh, all of my siblings, we all went to college, so um, it wasn't an easy task for my parents. Um, so I decided to take, I figured, hey, I'm going to take time off, uh, work, get some money, and I'll go, I'll go back to law school. Um, and at the time, I, I, I moved to uh, D.C., to Washington, D.C., because I had done a, um, a semester there when I was in, uh, at Dickinson, and uh, worked with, uh, in the uh, Superior Court, which was with juvenile delinquents. And I went back, I moved to, moved to DC, but I couldn't get a job. <laughs> they, they made, uh, again, it's my age, but um, you know, Reagan was in, was uh, president then, and he, he made a lot of cuts. So um, couldn't get a job. So I moved back home and was like, okay, now what am I gonna do? And uh, I worked with at Wiley House. Well, it was Wiley House then. It's now Kids Peace, and uh, yeah, I obviously never went back to to law school. Wow! So it just how you kind of had to feel things out for what was going to work, what wasn't going to work, and you end up back in the area. What kind of transitioned you into the coaching side of things? Because you you spent a career, you've made a career out of this. So what? kind of got you involved into the coaching path? So I moved back home with my parents and, uh, you know, I was working at Wiley House and I was like, well, what am I going to, you know, I feel like there's something missing and um, reading the newspaper and there was an ad for a job at Moravian, assistant basketball and an assistant softball coach. And the head coach at the time uh, had worked at Notre Dame High School where I went to high school and my brothers knew her. I didn't know her, but she was the uh, girls' coach there and uh, physical education instructor. So, and I think my parents knew her as well. And, you know, they're like, yeah, I'll go apply. They know her. So I applied, interviewed, and I got hired. So I um, started coaching, assistant coach part-time and was working at Wiley House. I liked being in the business. I liked working with socially and emotionally disturbed kids. And and again, still in my head, I was going to go back to law school. Uh, but, you know, became one year, two years, three years assistant coaching. And then I guess uh, six years later, Ann, Ann Sinnott Scutches, who was the head coach, she left to, she got the job at Lehigh. So there was the job opening here at, at Moravian. And uh, again, in my mind, I still wanted to go to law school. Um, I liked coaching. Um, I, you know, it, I, and, and again, as an assistant, I think if you ask any assistant, they're going to say it's fairly not, not easy, but you, know, you don't have a lot of the pressures. You're, you mm -hmm. come in, hey, what's going on? Oh, okay, let's go practice kids like you, you're not the disciplinarian. So I, I liked doing that. Um, but the head head position obviously was open and uh, I was like, well, okay, let me see if I, I'll apply. And I interviewed with uh, the president at the time, Herman Collier, and uh, I got offered the job. So <laughs> <laughs> I became the head coach. I was 27 and 
I was like, okay, I guess I'm not going to go to law school. But even, I, I got to be honest with you, even then I was thinking, well, I'll coach for a couple years mm -hmm. because, I mean, my gosh, I went to Dickinson. I had this whole plan that I was going to be a lawyer. I should go to law school. Um, and and uh, I still, I think one year for uh, Christmas, one of my players gave me a, um, you know, law, uh, LSAT study guide for dummies or something like because I, I talked about it a lot yeah. and they they still were like coach you should go to law school you know kind of thing but anyway yeah I um you know I started in when I was so 87 I got hired in the summer and uh, yeah here I am yeah T 2022 holy smokes I can't believe it um so then I ended up getting my my master's um in sports administration, I, I, I did it online. I, I was figured out how to uh, write papers because I'd been out of it for at that. I, I think I got it ten or fifteen years after I, uh, you know, finished school. And uh, uh, yeah, though, so that's the way it worked out. So you start here as an assistant, not just for basketball, but for softball. So that position was for both sports was that the same when you right. became the head yep, coach? Yep, yep, yep. So I got hired as the basketball and softball head coach and um it was uh a little bit of a shock to my system because like I said earlier, you know, as an assistant it's kind of nice and now I had to run two programs and um now it wasn't as intense as it is now in terms of non-traditional season, so the overlap like we didn't we didn't really do a whole lot in September, October with softball. Um, at that time, uh, but, but the overlap, you know, of course, when basketball was still going on and softball that, you know, that became, uh, a little tough. And then, uh, when I stopped coaching softball was when we played in the national championship in 92, uh, we lost in the national championship. We hosted, we lost on Saturday and I was on a plane to Florida I was coaching third base on Sunday. I don't know. It was hot out, so I'm going to say 3 o'clock. I'm standing. Uh, I'll never forget it. I'm standing there on third base. Whoever was up to bat is looking at me for the signal. And I looked at that person, and I was like, first of all, I, I kind of thinking, who is it? Like, <laughs> I was still thinking about how we lost in the national championship. Yeah. And she finally she called a timeout. She's like, Coach, what's the signal? I'm like, the signal? <laughs> I, I'm not even sure. I, I don't know what the signal is. I'm, I'm like, just hit the ball. I, yeah. I don't know. So it's that when I realized it, it, it isn't fair to the players and it's not fair to me. Um, I can't, I can't do that. And so I, I came back from that trip from our spring break trip and went to the president and just said, you know, um, and, the, uh, and our AD at the time, Rocco Calvo and said, I, I, you know, as a, it's not fair to women and what we're doing. And um, they agreed. And, you know, I think at the time, a lot of female coaches were coaching two sports and were doing a lot of things. And, and that's, you know, just the way it was. Uh, and not to say, I think some guys' teams were, were coaching two sports as well, but more so in the women's side. Um, so, yeah, they, I, I stepped down from the softball uh, coach and and just coached basketball. So, yeah, it was a it was a little crazy there for a while coaching both sports. So we'll we'll get to the national championship and, and that run in a second. But just to kind of go off of the fact that the overlap of a season, especially obviously, it's like you alluded to, it's not the same intense of non traditional into, right. but that overlap of playing and hosting a national championship to just trying to switch gears and go to a different sport that that toll mentally but also what what was that experience like going from one to another just that quick it was it had to be so difficult to try to manage that yeah it was it was you know in basketball and softball are two different kind of um mentalities and 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 coaching you know because um well, at the time, you know, softball rarely got outside because we didn't have a, a turf space like we do now. Um, 
you know, so we were inside. So I'd go from basketball practice up in Johnson Hall down. Well, I'm not sure when Bridegan, uh, I think we did have some practices down there. It was built, I can't remember what year that was built, but we used to practice in Johnson Hall uh, softball. We had a cage and we were hitting in softballs off the Johnson <laughs> Hall floor. Yeah, it was not a pretty sight. Um, yeah, it was it was hard to switch mentalities from a coaching perspective because mm -hmm. the kids were different too. So here I am coaching basketball, intense, screaming at kids, and and uh, you know let's go. And softball is a little more laid back in terms of number one when you're on the field. If I, if a coach is yelling from the dugout in softball to the center fielder, you know uh, nine times out of ten they're maybe they can hear you or they can just go, okay, yes, it, you know, you're not really close to them. So it, it's not the same intensity. Mm -hmm. um, now I'm sure some softball players would, would beg to differ at this point, but um, it, it just was uh, coaching different kind of athletes at that time. Um, so, and, and, you know, I was tired. <laughs> it was hard, yeah. you know, going all day and then, you'd leave basketball practice and I'd have to go to softball practice. And, and again, it just wasn't fair to, and, and I think if you ask any of the softball players that played for me, um, while we had some pretty good teams, uh, they knew, you know, I, the intensity just wasn't there. And, and, um, you know, my time wasn't, wasn't as, you know, I didn't give them as much time as I, I gave basketball. So the time you gave basketball, talk about, We'll move to that run with the NCAA uh, runner-up team. Talk about, you can reflect on it now. I'm sure you've reflected on it numerous times. What was that year like? Uh, well, I just got chills, so that's, yeah. that's what it was like. <laughs> yeah. uh, it was uh, magical. It really was. It was magical. We uh, had lots coming off the year. We lost in the Sweet 16 up at Eastern Connecticut, and – I, I walked with Kathy Beck, um, Kathy Beck to court now, but Kathy at the time to go to the um, and the interview after we lost, and she was crying, you know. Uh, but I put my arm around her, and, and she said, Coach, we'll be back next year, but we're not going to lose in the Sweet 16. And I'll never forget it because uh, I think – once we got back to campus, probably whenever that, that day was, the next day I, Kathy was in the gym. And I just remember thinking, we had a good group coming back and we were bringing in some, some pretty good players. Uh, you know, that we had a chance at, at, at being pretty good. Um, and just that whole year was, we just were in tune. And, and you know, I laugh now because people you know say to me oh you didn't have to coach and and really I didn't have to coach that much they were so talented and they were just so focused um it was just a really special group uh, we we ended up losing a really good player and I I don't know many people know this Tracy Rabbit uh tore her ACL she's senior uh probably would have been a thousand point score I think she was you know 70 points shy of it um, she tore ACL. We went to the Bahamas to a tournament, and she tore ACL in the Bahamas. Mm. So we lost a starter and still went and played in for a national championship. So that's how talented that group was. Um, yeah, I mean, there were some games, uh, you know, we were just – it was a thing of beauty. We could score. We could play defense. They got along with each other. Um, it was just a really, really – unbelievable group and then you know once we we win and get to the NCAAs uh, we were rolling pretty much and uh, we were hosting and and so that was was unbelievable that the energy on campus and you know they people waited in line we sold tickets out of Johnston Hall the line was to Main Street from Johnston Hall, people were waiting in line. Professors would take their classes and, and they were waiting in line for tickets. Um, wow. You know, I, I was just like, what, what is going on? Like this is, it was surreal, yeah. you know? And, and then we had to, <laughs> we, we got lucky. My assistant at the time, Kathy Schaefer, her, 
uh, her son played with um, uh, uh, Jack McCollum, who was writing for Sports Illustrated for his uh, played uh, basketball with his son. So Jack McCollum from Sports Illustrated is a Bethlehem guy. He came to a lot of our games. We had Sports Illustrated come to our practice and uh, shoot do a shoot before we played, and you know that was. You know, that was craziness. Like, we were, on, we were in Sports Illustrated. Like, come on. <laughs> this, this little team from Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. Um, so that was, that was an unbelievable experience. And then, you know, the, the crowds, uh, just the energy um, was, uh, was just spectacular. And, and all I could say was magical. It was, it was a magical year. And uh, the only thing that could have been greater was that we, we win, that, win the game. But... Unfortunately, I, I would suspect if we played Alma, you know, 100 times, we win 99 of them. But uh, that day, it wasn't wasn't meant to be. I'm, I'm trying to fathom the idea of what I think Johnston Hall looks like, in my knowledge of Johnston Hall, to what Johnston Hall's capacity was for hosting a national championship. Well, we put bleachers on both ends. Okay. And so uh, it, those... There was standing room only. I mean, people were, I don't know, it was probably if if the fire marshal ever came in, it would have been a disaster (laughs) for sure. We actually, our locker room was uh, in the back right now where the football offices are and where the storage area was. That that was our locker room. So we had to come through the crowd um, to get to the gym. And uh, it was... Yeah, you couldn't hear anything. People were painted up. I one of my when we won to get to go to the final four, my dress was ruined because guys were had paint all over their bodies and were hugging me and and uh, um, yeah, it was um, it was craziness in there. It was loud. We beat a capital team. I think they won the national championship the next year. They came in and and I looked at my assistant and I was just like, well. The jig is up. We're we're mm. we're done. They were, they were bigger than us. They were, just, they just when they warmed up, you know, we were just like, oh boy, this is gonna be, and uh, we just played played great. And of course, being at home didn't didn't help. Uh, you know, you had a had the national player of the year, and mm-hmm. um, I think all told, there ended up being, uh, there five Hall of Famers or six Hall of Famers on that team, and. Mm you know, uh, numerous thousand points, almost all over 1,500 points, um, you know, just just an awesome team. Just an amazing run with that squad to be able to accomplish that. And I had this conversation with Coach John Byrne about how being at one institution for so long, you get to see a program grow and flourish, but you're also a part of something that not every student athlete gets to be a part of. And you've been blessed to have that many opportunities with talent and all kinds of things that go into that to have those memories that many times with just one squad let alone the success you've had over your time here yeah I mean it's it's really you know I feel lucky and and you know everybody says you're blessed and it's it sounds like almost trite a little bit that you say that but really you know, that's part of the reason why I've stayed because it is a, a great place to work at and, and, you know, the support, even though there's a couple presidents since Herman Collier hired me, they've all been so supportive of, of athletics. And and I, I think the biggest enjoyment is is seeing what what teams can do and seeing the successes. Hey, this morning I was talking to Camille McPherson, who who played it and played on one of those NCAA teams and mm-hmm. was a really good player, who's now the head coach at Capital, actually, believe yep. it or not, come full circle there. <laughs> um, but you know, when when I see, you know, we won an NCAA game with Camille's group, and I see the joy and just the accomplishment on 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 those that team's face, you know. It, their faces uh I think that's what keeps you going and and Mm. that's what uh when when you feel blessed and lucky and all all those words but um yeah it's been uh it's been quite a a crazy run here and it's very humbling to be a, a coach because it's 
you get to be a part of so many individuals' lives. You get to shape them. And it's not always about the wins and losses. But to be a part of as many people's lives as you've been a part of and get to see what they do after their career at Moravian still a part of Moravian's culture. What's that like to you being a part of so many people's lives? Yeah, it's 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 awesome. I mean, I guess that's the word I would say. It's just it's it's awesome. Y you know, you even though you go through some times uh, as a player and a coach and and I'm sure if you you brought in a couple players here, they'd say, "Oh yeah, we you know, you fought and you you got mad and and maybe disagreed, uh, you know, more than once." Um yeah, to, to see them become young women uh, successful in their careers as mothers, what, whatever the case may be, um, is something special. And, um, yeah, to know that you had a little bit of a role, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, tough love, you know, is, is hard. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's really kind of kind of neat to to be part of it and and it's hard to reflect that's why you know <laughs> a lot of the players are like I'll say now did you play with you know I can't I I remember all of their their name well most of their names I should say not all of them because I do look at some pictures and go really she was on our team <laughs> I don't remember but um I just can't remember who they all played with, mm -hmm. you know, and, and uh, especially if they overlapped on some of the, the pretty good teams, you know, what years they graduated and all that kind of stuff. But, um, yeah, it's, it's really neat. Uh, and, and I think that's why, as a coach, you stay in the profession because you, you get to see that they come in as young freshmen and, and maybe they think they know more than, than they, they really do. But um, they find their path. And I think – for me, I've been a good role model in terms of, you know, I thought I was going to be a lawyer. And, you know, kids say that all the time. Hey, I don't, I want to do this, but no, now I want to do that. Um, so I, I, I can serve as a good example for them that things are going to change a, as you uh, mature. Absolutely. We'll take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors and get back into the career of Mary Beth Spurk, into your administrative role as well here at the university. So we'll be right back. What can you do with business phone from Penn Teledata? Make a conference call from the coffee shop. Or connect from the back nine. With unlimited phone services, 24-hour support, and mobile synergy, our cloud-based technology makes it easy to do business from anywhere. And we do mean anywhere. No more being stuck in the office. Which is great for everyone, I think. Add cloud-based business phone service from Penn Teledata. Historic Hotel Bethlehem is perfect for any stay. The finely appointed rooms and suites are complemented by excellent dining choices featuring Chef Michael Adams, the tap room for drinks and casual fare, or an upscale dining experience with a view at 1741 on the terrace. For business meetings, visit our Executive Conference Center, stop by our women's boutique for a selection of fashion and jewelry, or grab a cone at our Hotel B ice cream parlor. Historic Hotel Bethlehem is where our history will make the memory of your stay last a lifetime. Are you looking to get your hands on Moravian University Greyhounds gear? Head over to moraviansports.com and click the link Sideline Store under the tab Fan Zone to find our Moravian Apparel Store. Each month, there is a promotion that offers a discount to all things Greyhounds from hats, hoodies, shirts, and more. Head to the Moravian Athletic Sideline Store today, powered by BSN Sports. And welcome back in, my guest for this episode, the women's basketball coach and director of athletics, Mary Beth Spurk. Uh, we just talked about kind of your career path as a student athlete all the way up to uh, being the head coach here, where you have an additional role that you also <laughs> earned. Uh, and I believe in 2017, you were also tabbed the director of athletics and recreation here. Uh, so talk a little bit about how that came to fruition for you. Well, you know, I, I knew I was the assistant AD for a couple of years, and I, and I knew that uh, I wanted to be a little bit more involved with, you know, all the sports, and, and um, I thought I had, you know, some, some things to offer and, and obviously been coaching for a while, so thought I could help some of the younger coaches and, and um, obviously knew the institution as well, so could help 
you know, communicate outside the uh, department. Um, and then, you know, the opportunity, to, uh, the athletic director position opened up and, you know, initially I, I probably wasn't as open to it because, again, I thought I was in a pretty good spot. You know, I was coaching, assistant athletic director. I think earlier I said as an assistant coach, you sort of, um, you know, it's easier. You could kind of pop in and out. And, and I think the same, I thought the same as the assistant athletic director as well. Do I really want to be in charge and, um, you know, is it, do I want to undertake that? So, uh, honestly, I was walking from Johnson Hall. I had a meeting with uh, the president, uh, Dr. Grigsby, and, and uh, uh, Nicole Lloyd uh, about my decision. Uh, and I, I called one of my brothers, my brother David, and was wa I was walking across Main Street, so I wasn't far from from the uh, uh, his office. And I said, you know, I'm going to go tell the president. I don't I don't think I'm going to take the job. And he's like, why? I said, well, I don't know. Like, yeah. I'm I'm really comfortable right now. Why do I want to change kind of what what's happening? And he said, Mary Beth you can do it mm -hmm. and why wouldn't you want to do it um and so i literally changed my mind as i was walking there and it's it's kind of an interesting thing because i think as a as a female we don't have as much confidence even though i i, I you know i i think i'm fairly confident but i think ultimately something tells us that you know maybe we're we're not good enough. And, you know, it was funny. It took my brother, because then I thought about every one of my brothers would have said, oh, I can do that job. And and they tell me that to this day. Um, in <laughs> fact, one of my brothers says, oh, I would have won 700 games by now. You know, <laughs> you only course. won 600. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and he knows who he is. So uh, I, I won't call, uh, say his name directly. But uh, so I, I think it was just, somebody, you know, my brother just happened to say and gave me that confidence to say, yeah, you know what, what's, what's the worst that could happen? I, I can't do the job. I don't know. Um, and, and then I can't do the job. <laughs> and, mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I, I took the job and, and, uh, you know, it's been, uh, I, I love it. I love being administrator. And, and like I said before, I, I like the, uh, helping, mold young young coaches and young staff members and uh you know I've been really lucky to have some really good assistant athletic directors uh you know Renee Heller came on and who's now the athletic director at Kutztown and doing great and and you know now Rebecca Rebecca May and and Bryn McNamara are are terrific and and they're vital to uh making this work for me and and then just having, you know, people like yourself that, that are part of the administrative team, you and, and Mark Fleming and Marty Moyle and, you know, Josh Boltz and, you know, uh, our AT, our athletic dra uh, training staff. Like, it, it takes, you know, again, I'm going to use some trite things, but it does. It takes a village. And, and I think that's probably one of my strengths that I can get, um, I, I can get people to to maybe give a little extra and, and work together. So, um, yeah, it's, it's certainly a challenge and it's, it's not easy. Uh, you know, basketball is, is still in the forefront and, and you, st I still got to work on that. So it, it becomes, um, you know, there's some days that, that are, uh, more difficult than others, but, um, generally I, I think, Hopefully, I'm doing an okay job. Uh, although it's <laughs> obviously been tough the last couple of years. And it, you're no stranger to this. You were hired as a softball and basketball <laughs> coach, so it kind of comes full cir circle yeah, again. Yeah, I where didn't you're think about that. Up and yeah. you're able to to balance with help. Obviously, it's 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 difficult to try to manage everything on your own. So to be able to lean on people is definitely a resource for a lot of people in the, in this department as well. Um, and you and you just said it, it's been difficult over the past couple of years. Right. Um, 
2020, the spring of 2020, you conclude your season, and then a global pandemic hits. As an administrator and kind of the face of the department, how challenging was it to navigate through such a confusing time for everybody? Um, yeah, I don't know if there's words to, to even describe it. It was, um, you know, it, it was hard. It was, we didn't know. <laughs> I yeah. mean, that's the biggest thing. Nobody knew anything. And people were asking me questions and I, I was like, I have no idea. We, you know, I, trying to get through it like everybody else in the world, just shockingly, you were at work one day and then you're not at work and you're worried about, you know, are we playing a game? Is there a rain out and bumping games up and, and, uh, somebody's hurt, you know, you, you realize that's really not even that important. Like, uh, we may lose jobs and people, you know, are we going to even have a, a university and, and will kids go to be able to go to school and all that kind of stuff. So, um, it was, it was challenging at best. And, during this time, um, I personally, my, you know, my mom was sick as well. So I was going through a lot of, lot of stuff that was happening. Um, you know, trying to manage and maneuver and, and, uh, you know, it, without, without our leadership from Dr. Grigsby and, and Nicole Lloyd and, and all the, the health center staff and, and St. Luke's, I, I don't know. We were, we were way ahead of the game in terms of managing it and being able to, to at least practice and, and do something. Um, we were pretty fortunate here at Moravian. But, um, yeah, there were, there were definitely trying days for sure. And going through something like this, not only leading a department, but how did you keep your <laughs> team engaged? Because it's they're now learning a whole different way of, of going to school because right. it's completely different now. Yeah, I, I, I'll tell you, I got to give young people credit for managing um, not only the college students, the high school, and, and even the grade school and pre-K and all those, uh, like, gosh, you know, that it was hard. Um, and how do you, you know, part of you went to college and we, you know, part of being in college is you got to see people and mm -hmm. that's how you mature and you learn and you deal with, with ups and downs and, um, you, it's taken from you mm -hmm. and, you know, it's hard to learn. A lot of people can't learn online. It's, it's really difficult. Um, and uh, a lot of, you know, that's where a lot of the mental health issues have occurred and, and it's a struggle. So, you know, with my team, I just try to connect with them as much as possible via Zoom and text and touch and base. But, but again, there's nothing, nothing like person to person contact. You know, uh, we were just at the Landmark Symposium in Hershey for a couple days and that energy in that room. I mean, even if we just sat there and talked and didn't even accomplish anything, it, it just was good to see, mm -hmm. see people's faces. So not to have that, that contact for so long. Um, you know, I, I hope that never happens again in my lifetime and, and certainly not in, in anyone's lifetime, but, um, yeah, we, we somehow figured it out and, and at least we got to come back to campus, which a lot of schools did not, Correct. you know, so being able to have those opportunities of coming back to campus the, the following uh, school year, some light at the end of the tunnel, we're able to have a modified winter season for, for basketball. What was it like to finally get back on the court? Because there's still restrictions and guidelines that we have to follow, but you're in person. You're, you're missing that, that connection there. You're finally having that ability. Yeah, it was uh, it was strange, you know, because you're wearing a mask, and then when we played, there were no fans, mm -hmm. so you you're walking out on the court, and you know, <laughs> all that energy I said in '92 with all the fans and, <laughs> and and everybody screaming and yelling wasn't there. You know, we had cardboard cutouts. cutouts. Yeah. I mean, it was it was surreal. It was crazy, um, you know. And then every every time we got tested, it was. Um, it was stressful because mm -hmm. I'd look at my phone, you know, what, what we got tested three days a week. So 
three days a week you're holding your breath or if somebody called me I was like okay here we go mm -hmm. uh, so and so is going to be out or this is going to happen and it was hard it's hard on the players the student athletes my mm -hmm. goodness you know now you're trying to navigate academics and now you're you're now you're navigating basketball and now you're navigating covid mm -hmm. and you know restrictions in their dorms and going to eat and and uh on the bus you know you, you can't eat on the bus and keep your mask on on the bus and you know the bus is the best time of uh you know <laughs> sometimes why you play the game because that's when you have the you know you're talking and you, you get to know your your teammates and and that kind of thing. So everything was different. Um, and it, you know, you just had, we just had to keep talking to kids and, and uh, you know, keep talking to the coaches and, and keep talking to as many people as possible, however you communicate it. You know, if, if um, you know, we, we'd go outside and be able to take the mask off and at least talk that like that. Cause again, it was strange cause you had a mask on. So mm -hmm. I, you know, you can, I'm a really, I think that's my strength as a coach. I read people really well and, and their, uh, facial expressions and, and what they're doing. And all of a sudden that's taken from you. I have no idea when you're talking to somebody and they're, they're making faces, you have, have no idea. So it was, it was all, all very, very strange mm -hmm. <laughs> for sure. And that environment piece for the student athletes, not to have fans in the stand, still trying to provide an experience, let alone, play their sport because it's tough to have a very positive experience if it's limited in different capacities. So the fact that, A, we were, we were able to have games, they were still being streamed to some capacity, so people were watching, right. but that that energy was, wasn't there. Yeah, no, it was, uh, you know, it, you had to change, you know, I changed my thought process in terms of pre-game and, and practices. And, you know, it wasn't, not that I, I, I don't want to use the term win at all costs, but, you know, we're competitive and, and you want to win. But it, that kind of was put to the side a little bit. You mm -hmm. know, it wasn't, I, you didn't have that same, you know, gosh, if I lose this game, you know, the world is crumbling. No, we were just happy to be playing that game. Yep. And, you know, uh, and then you, who was actually going to be able to play that game? Yeah. <laughs> who was safe? Who did not, wasn't in quarantine or, you know, had COVID? And it was, it was a, just a weird time. So I think that changed as well. And, and quite frankly, I think it affected even this year in terms of getting back to, okay, let's get back into a, uh, winning, uh, you know, f more focused mentality and it, we're still working on it. I, mm -hmm. you know, and, and I think for, for even for, for me to, to transition a little bit too. Um, and I've talked to a lot of the coaches about it as well on staff and, and we've said the same thing. It's, you know, you coached differently during COVID mm -hmm. and now let's, I don't know what's normal. Let's get back to normal. I, I don't know. Is there ever going to be a normal? We don't, I don't know. Correct. Uh, so moving, you, you were able to get through that year however we, we had to. Coming into this most recent academic year, you have quote-unquote normal preseason into the, the regular season. Still some restrictions applied because it's still not gone. We're still having... Uh, repercussions of it, but you're able to still have a full slate of regular season games, including a trip to Massachusetts. Right. So talk a little bit about going on the road to Massachusetts and what that experience was like, because you had a win uh, up in Massachusetts. Right. Yeah. I, again, I think it was, okay, let's, this is it. Like we're, we're playing a, a real season and, and this matters. And, and, you know, there was still some you know, some some of the student athletes were were va vaxxed and some weren't. So there was still we had to get get tested, and we we're still going through some of that. And and so there was still some uh, struggles within the team. And um, you know, we we're still trying to figure out our identity. And 
you know, we got a great win up there. Um, it was one of the probably one of the the best comebacks that I've been part of. Um, yeah, I, I might be the best comeback, quite frankly, <laughs> as I'm thinking about it, because it was not looking good for us. Uh, I think we, I don't know what we were down in the fourth quarter, it, like it 20? Was, it, we was, down? it was enough. I think it was 18. 18, yeah. yeah. It was, it was, and, and, you know, I, it, yeah, we weren't able to score a whole lot, but, but at any rate, um, yeah, and I, I think that, that helped us to kind of, to, to regroup. Um, but, you know, we, all year, at least early on for the first, you know, two months of the season, we, um, still were, we're kind of struggling to find our identity. And, and I think we figured it out by the end of the year. And, and we were, we were, and I'm hoping going into to next year, we're going to be a team to, to, uh, you know, do some damage. Um, so, uh, you know, you have to weave and bob your way through some things. And I, I thought we did that. Um, and it, it again, Kids were still not going full time to classes. You know, there's still a lot online, and mm -hmm. there's still issues, and you know, people were still getting COVID, and people were getting sick, and and whatnot, and um, you know, then throw in, you know, we had a ACL tear, and and still the normal kind of stuff that was going on. So, um, yeah, it's uh, you know, every every year it brings something different. That's for sure. And it's. To build that identity, it didn't help that you were on the road for the entire month of December. Right. Five road games, including um, at least just one conference game. But then you finally come home in January for a nice uh, slate of home games. What was it like to finally be back in Johnson Hall with fans in attendance? It's still restrictive in, right. in certain ways, but to have people in the stands. Again. Yeah, it was It was strange. You know, <laughs> the, it, like two years, like kids – so we had freshmen and sophomores that had never played in Johnston Hall in front of fans. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like there were a couple of times I'd say, well, okay, this is what we're going to do. And they'd look at me like, we don't know. Yeah. This is what we do. Cause we didn't ever do it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was, it was really kind of odd um, to, to uh, manage and, and see. Um, and, and we still, you know, the crowds were not as big cause still everybody was still a little tentative. Um, mm -hmm to come back full strength. So, um, yeah, the beat on the road was, was tough and managing that. And we lost some tough ones on the road and we had, you know, the other, the other thing about, you know, my philosophy in terms of scheduling is I, I, I want to play good teams. So we're playing good teams and, you know, we played a bunch of NCAA teams and, and, uh, you know, so that didn't make it any easier either. Yep. Somebody said to me, why are you playing this tough schedule? <laughs> like, play some, you know. But, um, you know, you're, again, I've been doing it long enough. You, you got to, you, if you want to be good, you got you to gotta play good teams and you got to be good teams. And if you want to go to the NCAAs and do well, you got to have that competition. So, um, you know, we, we had a little bit of a rough schedule. But, um, you know, I thought we came along and, and – uh, really came together. So I'm looking forward to, uh, you know, the new year. I'd be remiss if we didn't talk about play for K. Uh, yeah. Because this is a tradition that you've brought to Moravian and have been able to be successful in, but that's not exactly what it's about. It's, it's the meaning behind play for K and what that means to you, what that means to the program and now the university. Yeah. Um, it's really, again, I just got a little chill going mm -hmm. here. Uh, and I'll, I'll tell you, at our event this year, towards the end of the event, after we played and we, we, we do an event at the Steel Club and, and do the fundraiser and have a meal, and uh, two former players, uh, Carly Brogan and, and Nadine Ewald, came up to me and said, put their arms around me and said, Coach, just want to really thank you. We never realized what this all means you know, but looking around and seeing all these people and, and money raised, um, we realized how just how special this all is. So, you know, that that really hit me. And, um, uh, you know, it makes you feel good when when you know you you, you affected some people that it, it's not about uh, just winning and 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 all that. And, and so th it all started. The passion for me was. Um, my sister-in-law was a guest coach, and uh, she uh, had cancer, 
And so that was in February. She passed away that, that May. So she was sitting on our bench, you know, a couple months before she died. And we were playing uh, Susquehanna and not playing great. We were winning, but we weren't playing great. And they scored. Susquehanna scored. And I jumped off my bench to my seat to, to go probably yell at somebody. And I walked down, and my sister-in-law, Marsha, is cheering. And I was just about ready. I, I kind of turned, and I was just going to say to her, are you kidding me? Like, you're cheering for Susquehanna? And, you know, like, <laughs> what? And I realized she was just happy to be there. And she was generally happy for the kid from Susquehanna that scored. Because, mm -hmm. you know, she was just happy. And then I didn't say anything because I realized, oh my goodness, what are we doing? Like, she is, she's alive. She's on the bench. And she's here. And, and I'll never forget it. And, and, uh. It made me realize, wow, once she passed, it made me realize I, I, I got to help to affect and pass on her legacy. And that's really what it became. And then I connected with a couple of the folks at Play for K and, and just sort of formed a bond with them. And, and then the teams, it just blossomed. The, the, all the teams I've, I've had been lucky to coach and the community at Moravian has embraced it. And we've just... Um, I think we're we're close to two hundred thousand that we've raised, um, and it always amazes me, you know, what what we are able to do, and it's become, uh, you know, just just a really big thing for for us, uh, the, the team itself, and then, like I said, the community, and and uh, you know, I give out a Marsha Spurk Award at at our our banquet or the dinner afterwards, and. Um, you know, my nieces and nephews and my brother, they come and, and they're now there's great nieces and nephews. And, and, uh, you know, it's really special. It's, it's become a really special thing personally and, uh, for, for the, uh, for the team. Absolutely. And now coming off of that, we look forward to next year. This season's behind us. You had one senior who I believe elected to come back. Yep. So we're excited to have Kayla Yogel for one more year. So what does next season look like for Greyhound women's basketball? Well, you know, I, I think we're going to, we're going to be better. We're going to, we've realized we've connected, we figured it out. And, um, I, I just think I'm, I'm looking forward to, to seeing if we, we are going to continue where we left off. To, to start, we're going to have a lot of experience, and um, I think we added a couple couple new people. Certainly, having Kayla back is a huge huge boost to us. Um, and I think the other part is they all you know went through COVID, and they're going to be hungry. Uh, you know, the the when we look at Scranton that won the the championship, and Catholic who who played for the the championship, and you know, E-Town made the NCAA tournament. We competed with those teams. You know, we, we lost to Scranton in overtime. Like, mm -hmm. we, we're right there. Yep. So, we, we, you know, we got to do a, a couple little things uh, better, and, and I think we will. And uh, I think we'll have a different mindset, um, you know, coming in. Uh, so, I'm, I'm very excited for, uh, for the new season and, and hopefully uh, – the players are as well. Mary Beth, thank you so much for spending time with me on this episode of the Hounds Huddle podcast, allowing some time for you to reflect on, on your career, on some teams and some special events that are very meaningful to you as well. So thank you for taking time to do this. Thank you. Appreciate it. had such a great time talking with Mary Beth Spurk, the head women's basketball coach and director of athletics here at Moravian University. We had the opportunity to reflect on her past as a student athlete, but also all of the different memories over her coaching career as she finished her 35th year at the helm of the women's basketball program, including the last five years as the director of athletics and recreations here at Moravian. Be sure to follow the women's basketball program on social media at Moravian WBB. That is Moravian WBB on Instagram, Twitter, and Moravian University Women's Basketball on Facebook. 
And if you haven't done so already, go ahead and follow Moravian University Athletics as well. That's all I have for you on this episode of the Hound Huddle Podcast. Until next time, I am LJ Smith, signing off. <laughs>